Feliz Navidad a todos. Merry Christmas to everyone. Speaking about Christmas, I don't know you already with all the gifts and everything under the tree that you decided to purchase. I know that my son is waiting for somebody else to bring some gifts tonight, but let's see what happened. That reminds me of the story of uh, the husband and wife who decided to go to the mall just before Christmas. They decided to do something special, so the wife decided to get a new outfit. Well, as normal, as often is the case, the husband was wandering off and disappeared. A little curious, the wife decided to call him on his cell phone, and he picked it up, and, he, and she asked him, where are you? The husband replied, do you remember the jewelry store that we visited a long time ago where you love a necklace, and I promised to buy it for you when we can afford it? The women with excitement and eagerly says, yes, of course. How can I forget the place? I remember. To her surprise, the husband says, well, I am in the donut shop next to that place. <laughs> I imagine we all have been in situations where frustration happens. We have expectations, and what is the result is something that we were not planning. Someone probably says, well, body's supposed to be healthy, and why I'm still sick? Others might say, I should be married by now, and I'm still single, and I don't know why. Or somebody will say, my career should be further along at this point, but I'm still stuck in the same place. We probably look at God and say, Lord, why are you making this this way so hard, so difficult? We don't, why, why don't you let me drive, take the wheel, and maybe we can get us somewhere. I think about these kind of expectations turn into frustrations every time that I open the pages of the story of Christmas, the first Christmas. When we started the Nativity story, Normally, we think about this couple, Joseph and Mary. Imagine the desperation of that husband when he was bringing his pregnant, very pregnant wife, sitting on a donkey, trying to find a place that they can spend the night in Bethlehem. And there was no place. Door after door, they were knocking, and no one would let him in. How many doors until he probably was blowing up inside and say, what is going on, Lord? You said an angel to Mary. You said an angel to Zechariah. You say the whole host of angels to the shepherd. What about sending one angel to the innkeeper so he can let us stay here? Only one who says, hey, man, you see that beautiful young woman pregnant over there? She's carrying the king of the world. Just give him some room. Give him your bed and sleep on the floor. What about Mary? Her frustration. Imagine and that donkey and that bumpy road to Bethlehem. 
at one moment without jumping to almost the last minute of pregnancy, she probably will say, all right, Lord, I can get supernaturally impregnated, but how can I not get supernaturally transported to Bethlehem? What a girl has to do to earn a medallion status to be a smoother ride to Bethlehem. Obviously, this is a joke. Because Joseph and Mary, none of them complained. They probably were wondering how this may happen, but they accepted with an open heart God's will for their lives. But what about us? Think about your own journey of life, your own journey of faith. Are you contending with the Lord, asking him, Lord, what is going on? What are you doing? Why are you making this so hard, Lord? I try to please you as much as I can, but why it seems like I get in nowhere? Is there any logic in the timing? I have been asking for this for a long time. Why I had to wait that long? What is the purpose of this pain, of this suffering? The answer of this and many other questions actually are in that original Christmas story. Specifically in the middle of the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. We read that Mary and Joseph had finally the baby in a stable dedicated for animals and after the eighth day, according to the law of Moses, they circumcised the baby and take it to the temple to present it before the Lord. Also, Mary, as was customary after giving birth, she needed to take a, a special sacrifice for purification. She couldn't afford, they couldn't afford for a normal sacrifice, so they brought what the poor families in Jerusalem could do. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And while they were there in the temple, an old man came to them who was just wandering around and asked permissions to Mary to, to hold the baby for a moment. His name is Simeon, an old man. An old man who was in the temple waiting because there was a promise made to him and he was waiting to fulfill the promise. And the promise is, you will not die until you see the consolation of Israel. In Luke 2, 29, we read his words when he was carrying the baby and lifted up and say this with an exciting and thrilling hope. Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. You see, this old man had clarity in the middle of the chaos that he was living. He has perspective, and that perspective was bringing him peace. How will the part, Lord? I'm ready. Finally, why? Because I have seen your salvation. I have seen your glory. I have seen the one that you promised to send. 
and he will be among the nations the most loved and the most hated. We need perspective. And Christmas, the Christmas story gives us the perspective that we need. Look, when I moved to this town three and a half years ago, and until today, every time that I decided to drive, I used the GPS on my phone. Because it's easy for me to get lost. So if I get lost in a place that I don't know where can I go, especially last night I was taking a couple of my in-laws to the hotel, and when I came back, I made a wrong turn, it was dark, and I couldn't get out. I didn't know where I was. It was dark. Finally, I got my GPS and put the direction of my house, and, and I zoomed in, zoomed out, and I noticed exactly where I was and, and what street I should take. Perspective. This is what we need to do with our own lives as well. And it's precisely what the story of Christmas can provide for all of us, the right perspective. The right perspective about God's priorities because in his priorities we have been shaped. We know that God shapes his own story because this history is God's story. And it's also the story of your life and my life. So if we can know God's priorities, we can have perspective. And if we have the right perspective, we can experience the real peace. If we understand the why and the when about what God was able to do with Jesus and through him, we can understand why he's moving the pieces in our own lives journey. If we understand the truth about Christmas, then we can understand why God is allowing us to go through the routes that we're taking and the difficulties that we're facing and the disappointments that we are living because he has a purpose, he has a plan, and nothing will alterate his plan. Therefore, understanding God's why and when is the source to experience a thrilling hope, an emotional hope. Why Mary and Joseph had to go through all this? Even before that, let's go back not just with them, but also with all our lives and, and the story that we read in the Bible. Why we have in Genesis that everything happened wrong in chapter 3, and then you had to wait 2,000 years or more to finally send someone to make things right. Why make Abraham to have a long journey across the world to get to this moment? Why the exodus from Egypt? Why the Roman occupation? Why every event in history has to happen that way? But to understand the why and the when, it's important to understand the who and the where. And do that, to do that, we need to go back 4,000 and some years to the beginning. When we read in the book of Genesis at the beginning, the creation, the fall, the hope in Genesis, we learn that from the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, God created the first man, the first family, 
created humanity. And it was beautiful creation. However, this harmony was disrupted when Adam and Eve decided to disobey God's standards. And sadness and brokenness affected not only their lives, but the entire creation. And in Genesis 3:15, we read that even though God was brokenhearted, God was so delusioned, he decided to tell them some good news. What the theologians might call the Proto-Evangelion or the first gospel. He told him, I will send the seed of a woman, and he will crush the head of the serpent. A boy is coming from the women who will crush the one who hurts you. God promised to send a savior born of a woman who will ultimately defeat the source of all evil on this earth. Even before that, as we read in this section, Eve conceived the first son and he named Cain. That means I got a boy. It might be the boy, it might be the one, but it was not the one. So he had a second boy, and named him Abel, which means vanity, because she realized that none of those two boys were the ones that God promised. Later, a generation later, came Noah. Noah was named Rest, with the hope of his father that he can be the one who brings rest with the chaos that happened because of the disappointment, the curse of the earth. But Noah was not. Noah, no was. Genesis, moving to the different chapters and take us in chapter four and five and illustrate the spread of evil leading God's judgment. And then chapter six and nine and how he sent the rain and destroyed the earth. And later on, the new generation came, and through the Tower of Babel, the, the narrative of creation, feel, sin, and everything was taking a different route. The first 12 chapters tell us that the one that's supposed to come was not in that time. From chapters 12 to 50, the, the focus is on Abraham. He was called by God to leave that city where he was with his family, his fathers and his wife, and go to a place that he will tell him. He was going not knowing, just by faith, living that time. Abraham was 75 years old at the time, and he placed his trust in God and just followed him obediently. This promise includes a profound statement told to Abraham, those who bless you will be blessed. Those who curse you will be cursed. Around 2091 BC, Abraham set foot in Canaan. He traveled through what we can call now the Fertile Crescent, avoiding the desert and the imminent death in there. Reaching Canaan, Abraham, at the age of 100, became the father of three generations, Isaac, I. Isaac's son, Jacob, named later Israel. He had 12 sons. And these brothers, like usually what happened, they don't like one of them because he's the favorite. In this case, it was Joseph. And they decided to 
sell it as a slave in Egypt, like sometimes that happened, or maybe. But despite the hardship, the Lord blessed Joseph, and he became the second in command in the entire nation of Egypt. During that severe famine that was happening in the entire world, his brothers came to Egypt for help. Joseph's forgiveness was for them because he attributed his life path to God's guidance. He didn't blame them. He says, God allowed for this to happen because there is a plan. In Egypt, the 12 brothers became 12 tribes, and these 12 tribes became one huge nation. Then the Lord raised up a new leader, and after years of slavery in Egypt, Moses came on board and took him out of the slavery through the desert toward the promised land, a land that was promised to Abraham. Joshua was Moses' successor, and eventually that led, he led them into the land. For a period of time, with the time of the judges, that there were prosperity and disobedience, there was the race and fall of ancient Israel. The kingdom started. The first king, Saul, followed by the renowned king, David, and the third king, Solomon, through whom God blessed this nation with prosperity and peace. However, after his reign, the kingdom was divided into the northern kingdom, which persistently disobeyed the Lord. And the Lord sent a punishment to them. Even though he sent the prophet to warn them to repent, they didn't. And then the kingdom of the south, southern kingdom in Judah. The northern kingdom was eventually destroyed by the Assyrians in 720 B.C., while Judah continued in disobedience. In 586 B.C., the Babylonians, tracing the path once taken by Abraham, conquered Judah and led the people into the exile in Babylon. They were back to the first place. Basically, the Lord took Israel to where Abraham was coming from. <laughs> Square one. Start all over again. Books were written at that time. Esther, Daniel, depicting the foreign land. In 539 B.C., Cyrus of Persia, they destroyed Babylon and let all the Israelites go back to their homeland. And they came, describing the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, make the Old Testament conclusion. Then we have uh, 400 years of silence, but during that time, there were the Hellenistic period. Philip of Macedonia and his son Alex, known as Alexander the Great, the influence that he had by his mentor, Aristotle, expanded the empire. Alexander spread the Greek culture, but not only the Greek culture through the entire known world at the time, but also the language known as the Hellenization of the land. The Greek language remained the common among the diverse nations. Now everybody was communicating in one language. This period set the stage for the Roman Empire to rise, which eventually included Israel by 63 BC under Caesar in 27 BC, Rome brought peace, the Pax Romana, meaning 
They wanted to enforce peace by sending the armies through the entire world owned by that empire now, conquered by that empire. And in order to do that, they decided to build all the different networks of, of uh, roads, the Roman roads, everywhere. So now not only the people can communicate in one language, but also they can travel. Before, nobody can travel. They were afraid of being robbed by somebody or being killed by a bandit or something. During that time, Israel held a strategic position at the crossroads of the world. Ezekiel refers to Israel, the piece of land in the center, as the belly button of the world because it was the conversion place for three continents. It was at this time in place, at this moment in history, in a little piece of land that God was very concerned to plant his monotheistic people. In that little place, God comes to a little teenager girl and says, I know you got plans. I know you're planning to get married, but I'm just going to crash your wedding. <laughs> I'm going to change your plans. I'm going to blow up your plans, and you're going to be pregnant. Even though you are not going to have sex with any man, you're going to become pregnant. You're going to have a child. His name will be Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Naming Jesus, Yeshua, which means the Lord saves. And as Galatians says, Paul says in Galatians, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. God orchestrated every single thing. Everything that happened from Genesis at this point, right here in this moment, God moved all the pieces in the chess game just to accomplish his purpose. Using not only his own people, but also his enemies as an instrument to fulfill his plans. Can you see how God unveils his plan slowly in his time? The why and the when, only he knows, but is to fulfill his promises. Is there a plan? Is there a purpose? Absolutely. Why did Jesus came? For salvation. He came to save what was lost, to rescue you, to rescue me. Simeon says, Sovereign Lord, as you promised, you can now dismiss me in peace because my eyes have seen your salvation. That's who Jesus is. He came to save you. He came not just to give you a keynote speaking conference speech. No, to give you more than a moral philosophy of a way of living. He came to rescue you, to save you, to redeem you. As Paul wrote in Romans, Christ died for the ungodly at just the right time, demonstrating God's love for all of us. So Jesus came for salvation. What was the purpose? What is the timing? Why he did it? For proclamation. Together with Simeon, there was a woman, prophetess, named Anna. 
If you read in verse 36, you see that Anna was already waiting. He was praising the Lord. When she saw that Simeon was carrying the baby, she came closer and started prophesying. Not only that, start witnessing to everybody, telling them who was that baby. Because this is what happened. When you know the plan, when you understand the plan, not only you understand that your circumstances, whatever you're going through is part of that plan, you rejoice knowing that even the difficulties that you and I were facing are part of God's plan to fulfill his promise. Therefore, we need to burst in ecstasy, saying, Lord, I know what you're doing. I know what you're happening. You want me to come, for me to come closer to you, to depend on you. You know the way. I just see from a distance, but you know exactly what is going on. Consider this story. Like the student of the university who decided to invite the girl that, that he liked so much for a dance in school. He was a little shy, so he decided to do something. He knew that the girl was uh, one of the drivers on the, on the buses in school, taking the students from one place to the other one. So in the first stop of the bus, it was a, a young man with a sign that says, Will. So she looked at the sign and says, well, okay. So the next station, there was another guy with a different sign, you. And she was like, that's odd. First I saw one guy who says, Will, and now I see another guy who says, you. What is going on here? At that moment, people were coming on the bus. People were getting off the bus. By the third time, the third station, the stop, there was another guy who said, come with me. So at that moment, people get on the bus, but nobody get out. They were interested to see what is going on here. There was a thrill of hope happening there. So in the fourth station, they said, to the university Celebration. And then the last station was the guy with a bouquet of flowers. And at that moment, nobody get off the bus. And everybody, when they saw the guy with the flowers, start clapping. Because they were excited. Finally, they resolved the mystery, piece by piece. The girl was astonished. He orchestrated every single thing just to issue an invitation to join him into that celebration. It is exactly what God has done with you and me. Everything that happened from Genesis that, uh, until today, uh, at this moment, has been orchestrated by God to fulfill his promise to send his son to tell you how much he loves you and to issue an invitation to the wedding supper of his son in the future. Everything is part of the plan. And as we celebrate Christmas today, this is exactly what we need to remind, we keep in mind. It's great that we celebrate that the baby was born in Bethlehem, but he only came through that form to fulfill his mission. And his mission was not staying in a manger, was actually going to the cross. 
That was the purpose. That's why he came. He came to bring salvation. And that, therefore, has to provoke in us some proclamation about the good news of the love of God, of the gospel. There were four daughters who lost their mother, and they felt like they were missing the best friend. When the dad, knowing that the four daughters were so sad, he asked them, what from your mother will you allow me to give you? And she asked individually to the four girls, adult girls. And each one of them says, I want my mother's cross that she always wore on her neck. So on that Christmas night, there were four gifts under the tree. And when they were opening, each one of the girls discovered that they were opening her mother's, their mother's necklace, cross necklace. But they couldn't understand it. There was only one. So the father explained, I asked the jeweler to fabricate other three crosses exactly like this one. And I asked him, please wrap it up. I don't want to know which one is the original. So therefore, you don't know yet. Therefore, you need to wear the cross in memory of your mother. You, as children of God, we need to wear the cross with our lives. We need to be living sacrifices. We need to understand that the, the call that we have is not just to trust in Christ, and that's it. It's trusting in Christ for salvation. And now we move into proclamation. And that's what we're doing tonight. We are proclaiming that Jesus was the promise fulfilled. And there is another promise because he says he will come back for all of us.